may all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy, may all beings be free from harm, may all beings love life, may all beings awaken. Welcome to another QQ Audio Podcast. I'm DC, Pubov QQ Audio and QQ Archives, preserving the legacy of Shunyu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his. And anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest, Britt Pyland, and um, he's uh, an early Zen student by today's reckoning. Uh, and uh, he, I think he came the same year I did, 1966. And uh, so uh, he's living in Oakland now, and or Berkeley, over there. They sort of, they, you know, they run together. And uh, he has some things to share with us. So uh, after our pause to meditate, let's give him a call. So when you hear the bell... If you're of such a mind, hit pause, and we'll meditate or whatever for as long as you want. And when you're ready, hit unpause, and we'll end the meditation or whatever, and give Brett Pyland a call. Hello? Brent, David. Is this Kelly Chadwick's father? It is indeed. It is. The Zen guy? Well, uh, sort of. Sometimes. I remember you. (laughs) Well, what's happening with you? What's happening with me? Well, let me think. Uh, I'm okay, basically. Let's see, what can I say? Uh, I guess most recently I'm feeling a little bit reduced. Uh, uh, Death of two friends. Well, Layla Smith Bacharz, who was very sweet. Uh, She was a good friend of Tassahar. She was the, the, when I was at Doan, she was kind of the main person that helped me and trained me. And we spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of time together. and mm. always enjoyed her sweet yeah. company, and uh, I enjoyed uh, uh, the company. Actually, I, I ran the phone line with the gym one one full day. It was down, and you, you know how you you go down and try to find the break and, and oh, yeah. repair it. Yeah, and uh, anyway, we we had. And I, I was the uh, one that was honored by carrying the 60-pound loop of wire up that hill. Oh, to yeah. The, to the junction box. It, yeah. was, it was a good exercise, but it, it was hard. 
anyway, it was, it was fun, and we, we had a good time, basically. I think my memory is any, almost any time you had a way to change the schedule and you know get away and do something else, it was sort of fun, whatever it was. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, that true. was my that was my experience. Uh, I remember uh, one night Shunko and I had fun going to find uh, Ari Kamazar, who uh, had gotten lost with Nancy. Who? Uh, uh, Jack Kamazar's son Ari. Oh, really? Was with Nancy Sheldon, and they went hiking, and she got lost. It was dark, and. Uh, Oh, so Shunko and I, Shunko and I spent the night. We found them; they were fine. They yeah, were, they were just cold. And uh, uh, where were they? Uh, kind of up, uh, kind of up by the hogback, beyond the hogback. Uh, yeah, it was dark, so and they didn't have flashlights, and yeah, so was, and she didn't actually know the way that you know well. I think she's from New York, that, isn't she? Pardon? She's from New York City. She? Nancy. What, what about her? Isn't she from New York City? Oh, uh, I don't remember where she's from. Uh, anyway, anyways, I always enjoyed her. Well, the reason I said that, Britt, is because I was involved with a lot of searches, and the number of people from New York City that got lost in the woods was amazing. Uh, oh. <laughs> it, it was like they were used to a grid, and they'd hike oh, over the yeah. hogback, you know, the windy creek, get to the other side, and they wouldn't know which way to go to get back. Yeah, well, I had taken, I you know, I had taken lots of hikes, so I, I knew the territory. I think Shuko had also done that, and... So it was pretty familiar. It was just a question. I mean, we were relieved to find that we had flashlights and yeah. gave him a jacket. And uh, anyway, uh, Jack and uh, Dahlia were forever grateful to us. Oh, yeah. That's neat. Yeah. But, but anyway, again, it's another example. It was actually kind of, kind of fun, even though it wasn't fun for the camisars. Yeah. But... Uh, mm. So um, let's see what did uh, I have in my, well anyway so I, I I guess I was about to say I'm feeling uh, what should I say reduced by losing these two friends. Uh, uh, who's the then, other one? Uh, Charles McDermott, who you probably knew slightly. Oh yeah. Oh you. Oh, oh yeah. He, he died. You, huh? you interviewed him. Yeah. And yeah. He was a close friend for many many years. In fact, he was the person. I was standing in Moe's one afternoon, and he comes up and he says, well, you, you want to go hear Suzuki? And I said, oh, D2 Suzuki? <laughs> he huh. said, no, the other one. And he took me over to uh, uh, the old uh, place on, uh, you know, the synagogue place on, on Laguna. No, Bush Street. We La well, Bush and Laguna. Bush Street. Yeah. yeah. So Goji, uh, we got we got there a little bit late. We were sitting among a bun, bun jumble of shoes in the back, and uh, anyway, I I uh, didn't get a whole lot out of that talk by uh, Suzuki Roshi. Uh, uh, I think he was saying, 
oh, you're interested in psychology and you're interested in LSD. And as it happened, I wasn't very interested in LSD. And uh, I remember the, there was a story about, uh, was it uh, someone uh, supposedly gave Suzuki Roshi some acid? Yeah, there's stories like that. Yeah, I I, I was not really convinced that he actually took it, even though he uh, said yeah, he did. I, I would agree. Uh, I, he said bang, bang. I mean, it's possible, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I, I've heard, you know, it was important to some people to think he'd taken it. I can't see him doing that. But um, the bang, bang uh, comment he made was when uh, Daniel Agee gave him a, a hash brownie or something like that without him knowing. Oh. And uh, he and Mitsu went back to the temple and uh I think I think that was it. Anyway, uh -huh. I can't, I can't remember there are stories like that. Uh there was a guy named Bob who said he gave him a tab of acid. Uh Bob who was uh, involved, involved with the straight theater. God I can't remember who it was. Yeah, yeah I, I kinda I remember I don't remember his last name, but I, I do remember him and I yeah. remember that story it, and uh, he well, told me Suzuki flushed it down the toilet. Oh, that he actually saw him do that? No. Yeah. Well, he just guessed that. Or Suzuki well, who, told him. Who knows? Yeah. It's quite possible that just didn't, you know, there, there's, who's that other, uh, Kareem Baba, who uh, some student gave him acid and, and it didn't do anything to him. Yeah. He was supposed to have taken like five you know, five full doses. Although with acid, if you took more, it really didn't have more effect, I don't think. Uh, I mean, after you took 500 mics, I don't know how much more you could do, but I, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, various people have said various things about that, but um, it was, um, uh, there's really nothing came of it anyway. Yeah, well, it's not not important, but uh, yeah, uh, but uh, I'm still grateful to, for acid because it it got me into uh, sitting a roundabout way. Oh, me too. Yeah, sure. Uh, although I think it was an obstacle in some way uh, too, in that I was trying to recreate a similar condition in sitting. Yeah, rather than just seeing what happens, and that was probably an obstacle for a while and it took yeah. me a while. I forget some, maybe it's Philip who tipped me off to kind of <laughs> drop that one. Philip <laughs> uh, had never, he had had psilocybin, I think, and some mushroom. He'd never taken acid. Which Philip are you talking about now? Philip, Philip Whalen. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, he was a great, uh, mm -hmm. uh, friend and teacher to me. Uh, yeah. Best uh, example of generosity I've ever experienced. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he got to be terribly blind, and he needed someone to, you know, walk with him when he went to like the grocery store to get a get a bite to eat or something. And so, I was doing that one night, not or one you know late afternoon, and 
there's some kid on the sidewalk who, who was begging. I, I think he might have had a a cup out, and uh, Philip had a little change purse that he used, you know, for when he went shopping. And rather than picking out, you know, coins and giving it to him, like which would have been what I would have done, he just dumped the whole purse in the kid's, uh, hmm. you know, cup. No fuss, no bus. <laughs> it, it was a great teaching for me because it was so, I mean, you know, it wasn't something he thought about. It just did it. Uh, yeah. It, it, I, uh, it's probably one of the best teachings of generosity that I've experienced. Mm. And uh, anyway, I learned a lot from, you know, he, we shared a flat, remember, in San Francisco for a while in Noe Valley oh. before he uh, moved to Hartford Street. Oh. Oh. Yeah, we we had uh, it was uh, on Sanchez and Twenty Eighth, and uh, it was a lower flat. And uh, on Friday morning, we would have a sitting, not, not very well attended, but uh, uh, like a half hour zazen, and we'd clear out the living room. And uh, I remember Jack Camasar frequently came, and ah. Dennis. Kelly would come. And Dennis Kelly came. Not the not the Zen guy. My friend, the the cookbook writer, Dennis Kelly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Dennis with one in. Yeah, I, I met uh, uh, Jinpo Dennis Kelly uh, right. at Tassajara, and I liked him actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, tell tell him, me tell me what you remember about that. Well, I remember he had this beautiful, slim, blonde girlfriend with him, and yeah. we talked about her, and I much admire her, and he would say things like, uh, the closer to the bone, the sweeter the meat, and I was uh, I was treasurer that summer, and I was sitting, uh, uh, I guess, at the computer in the front, which was next to the donation box, and I, I saw her out of the corner of my eye try to slip in surreptitiously and put something in the the uh, box and I picked it out. It was a $500 bill. That's which right. I later brought, which I, I think you were there. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I later brought it to uh, uh, Chosan. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know if I was there, but I remember you telling me that I, uh, you know, uh, in an interview earlier or something, and I looked it up. Uh, because I I don't ever remember seeing a five hundred dollar bill, and I believe that was the last year uh, they were in circulation. It was something yeah. like nineteen seventy two, I think, when I was yeah. actually living in the city, and he was a guest of uh, Alan Marlowe there. Uh huh. You remember that? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember Alan too. I liked it. Anyway, I, I liked. Uh, Jinpo, uh, we had some nice talks, and uh, yeah. I thought he was pretty okay as a Zen person, too. Uh, uh, anyway, he, he was fun, and uh, uh, his girlfriend was certainly beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was very generous with Zen Center, a lot more than $500. He was a major oh, yeah. LSD manufacturer. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember... Uh, <laughs> He and uh, the LSD that I got was from uh, who was that other guy? Uh, more oh, famous. Owsley? 
Bialsley, yeah. I, that was the, I was, uh, some friends of mine had a, a cabin in uh, near in the Lahonda woods, right next to Ken Kesey. And that was the connection. And that was how, and uh, one of my, uh, my second acid trip was outside uh, uh, around the fireplace mm. at, at night. And, uh, Anyway, that was good. Mm. And then there was a bird. I was looking up through the trees. It was still a little bit light. And a bird kind of flew through this cycle circle that I could see. It was an amazing event. Mm. And I also remember how beautiful the Budweiser cans looked. Uh, they had a lot of red and blue and white and, and um, yeah, it was they were actually rather beautiful. Mm. Anyway, uh, that was that, and um, I went on from there and uh, haven't had any LSD in a long, long time, and doubt that I ever will again. Yeah, uh, but it, it was it actually yeah, it did get me into setting me up to be open to sitting. I think and yeah, open to things that could happen in, in sitting. And, uh, uh, and so there was that. And let's see what else. Oh yeah. I was, I was just saying, I was feeling reduced by losing these two friends because we had these shared experiences that only, you know, Layla and I and Charles and I knew about, you know, just shared experiences that were private. And by losing them, it's sort of like that part of my life, is somehow I don't know exactly how to describe it, but yeah, I slipped aside. Uh, mm. uh, I really liked Layla. She, she was very sweet and very helpful to me in training yeah. me to do the the doan the, the kokio stuff right. Uh, uh, she was helpful to me and, too through the was, years, even recently. She did a transcription of a Suzuki Roshi lecture that hadn't yet been transcribed that was, um, you know, discovered at Zen Center a couple of years ago for uh -huh. us, uh, like, I don't know, six months ago or something. Oh, I think, I think. You did an interview with me, and I think she transcribed that. Yeah, she did lots of transcribing for me. Uh, Some of it paid, anyway. and but most of it free. Lots. I mean, going back to the 90s. Uh, anyway, she was very sweet. And Charles was a, a, you know, a, quite a good friend. We, we had, had, As I said, he, he was the first person who took me to hear Suzuki Roshi. And... Uh, and then later there was a little circle, and I, I sat right next to Oksan. Probably I was placed reserved for a senior student, but there was a circle of around maybe 30 students afterwards for tea and uh, cookies. And uh, uh, there were those uh, uh, heavy t tea treats that they used to serve. Uh -huh. what, what year was that? Well, that would have been 1965, uh, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, no, wait a minute. It's, 
Yeah, probably probably about 1965. Anyway, um, mm. so I, I I was hungry and I hadn't had dinner, so I took two. <laughs> I seemed to be the only person who did that, and then it turned out something that was not what I expected. I was trying to hide it in a napkin. <laughs> 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 so, so the Suzuki Roshi couldn't see that. And, uh, later, later uh, Charles took me to visit Norman Spiegelmeyer, who was a quite good artist. Oh, yeah. His. You, you remember him? Oh, yeah. And he, he was happy to take the treats off of my hands. He uh, Later, I learned to like them, but it, it was not what I had, ex- I had expected. Huh. Huh. And, uh, I wonder what they so, were. Uh, it was kind of very sweet. I remember uh, it was very Japanese. Dark. If it was sixty-five, yeah, yeah. it was Japanese. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it was very dark, and it was like kind of too sweet, or so. It was kind of a weird sweet. Uh huh. Not what I was hoping for. <laughs> anyway. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, I remember being embarrassed and trying to cover it up <laughs> in the napkins. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't fool anybody. Uh, yeah. Uh, and let's see, what else? Uh, where are we? Uh, oh, you're back, way back in 65. That's good, yeah. Any any, uh, any little detail, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting sitting in the circle around there. And there were no uh, reserved seats. It was fine for you to sit well, there. Well, I, I, I don't have no idea, but I assume that because I was so close to Suzuki Room, she was probably for someone s- senior, but who knows. Uh, uh, I remember, uh, I think I was, uh, I think I was there as a guest student for just a couple of days. And, uh, uh, wait a minute. You were where as a guest student? At Tassara. Oh, yeah. All right. You're back there now. And uh, uh, it was just like a a couple of days. And uh, I think I, uh, at the time, I figured that that would be all I I needed (laughs) 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 to get into it. Uh, I seem to have uh, exaggerated the the reality of that. But uh, anyway, I was, of course, having... A lot of difficulty with, uh, you know, crossing my legs and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I remember at the end of that, Dan Wells came up and uh, 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 no, first server was it was Barry and Mountain. We were sitting. There was some kind of redheaded student of Coben's that I was sitting next to, and uh, male or female. A female Harriet um, Heist, Harriet Harriet, uh, Harriet um, who, who Coburn married. <laughs> yeah, later. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I remember she disappeared for about twenty minutes. Uh, my heart just sank. <laughs> I thought she had dropped out, but she came back. Uh, I guess she just you know went to a bathroom or something and. Uh, and then I remember Marion uh, at a certain point said, you can turn turn around now and have your tea treat. Oh, Marion Derby. Was, yeah, Marion Derby. And uh, she uh, uh, gave us a treat. I was glad to uncross my legs and 
relax mm. a little bit and uh and then uh Dan Welch uh, came later and uh uh I I remember uh I'd been uh helping to paint the baths that afternoon with Silas. Mm. And Silas said, you guys go off and go to service and I'll finish up. I, I think he just put the brushes and, you know, turpentine or something coming, planning to come back later. And Dan comes up and says, you know, at Tassajara, Britain, <laughs> we, we always finish our work. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was happy to go uh, work with Dan, even though he was you know, saying that as kind of a put down, I think. Yeah. You know, but something I, I remember about Silas and painting back then, you're talking about really uh-huh. early, like 67, when we were oh, yeah. first uh, there. We were still working out of the kitchen at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That went on a couple of years. Uh, yeah. But I remember um, Silas, uh, his idea of paint cleanup would be, like you said, if it was oil-based, just to uh, put the brushes uh, in some uh, paint thinner. You know, yeah. And uh, there were others like Dan who thought, "No, you should clean the brushes uh, <laughs> right. every day." So and, I, got, and, I got I got that lesson, for, but I was happy to, to just work with him, so I didn't mind at all uh, uh-huh. going to going to do that. And then later, I actually became quite close to Dan. You know, we uh, uh, when we took over the whole earth store, uh, he was the manager and I was the book buyer, and we. Uh, would take these trips down to uh, uh, the old Whole Earth Catalog store. Menlo in, Park. Men, Menlo Park, yeah. And uh, I think Ben Gage was what, and then uh, 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 Anna was uh, a good friend of uh, Dan's at that point. And, uh, who, Anna who? Anna Thorne? No, what, what was her last name? Uh, the one who uh, married Jordan Thorne? No, 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 not not Thorne. Uh, Anna Hawken? Hawken, yeah. The, married Paul Hawken. Uh, yeah, well, they were already Paul, married then. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, what, this is the whole Earth store. My God, you're talking now about 1980, around there? Probably we had fun. We were uh, we were tasked with running around trying to find another location from it uh, in San Francisco or someplace you know closer to where you know people were. And uh, where was this store you're talking about? Well, we never found a place. Uh, oh, there wasn't uh, one. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the uh, the place that. We, at uh, Fort Mason had been promised to the Mexican Museum. So That's right, yeah. They had it just for a short time. And uh, yeah. uh, I remember that. And I remember uh, what else was happening? Oh, yeah, Kaz Tanahashi uh, was a really great mentor to me. He uh, uh, would take me out uh, to the museum, the old Asian museum by the by the park. Yeah, and uh, De Young. he uh, he uh, 
he taught me a lot. Well, one thing he thought the value of that connection was that it had ordinary things as well as just masterpieces. Yeah. He thought that was very important context. And I, I remember there was some book that he was he got me to read called The Unknown Craftsman. Do you remember that book? Uh, 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 I don't know. I have to think about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it was named by someone named Agata. Uh, so Kaz took me there. I also remember Enku that made uh, yeah. like 100,000 little. Well, there was a chest out there that had. Made 100,000 carvings of like Bodhidharma. Well, right. Uh, was it, was it Bodhidharma? I think it was of, uh, I, th I think it was Buddha, maybe. But he, it was, he would make little chip car, like two or three strokes would, you know, make, and that was very impressive to me. Yeah. They really were present <laughs> as little Buddhas. And there was a chest that probably, Certainly, must have had a thousand of these little one-inch uh, Buddhas in them, and Kaz uh, pointed those out. And I started taking photographs of him doing brush work, and uh, uh -huh. he got me started a little bit into doing, uh, you know, a little bit of brush work. I never got, you know, very skilled at it, but uh, I got to the point where I uh, was able to accept my clumsy attempts as being okay as just uh -huh. as they were which was a good uh good lesson that he taught the cause was really quite wonderful and taught me a lot and we yeah. had fun too we would go to have lunch and uh i go to the uh you know museum and probably other places too mm. yeah Inko uh, did buddhas you're right 120,000 wooden statues of the Buddha and other icons, other Buddhist yeah. icons. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I had a neighbor friend uh, when I was living on uh, at the studio on uh, Marin. Uh, uh, an artist friend just adored that. I got to know quite well. And I showed her the Inku stuff and all the stuff that Kaz had written and we got disconnected here, uh, which happens. I thought his phone had, you know, the battery had died. But no, uh, sometimes Skype just hangs up. And uh, so, you know, I got I got back in touch. And uh, so we talked a little bit. And then we got into talking about our iPhones because uh, he'd bought a, uh, he hadn't had a phone for a while. And he, and he got a, an iPhone SE, which is smaller, and it's like the cheapest new one, and it's what Kadrink and I both had. So we talked about that. And then he went on to say... I'm happy with him, and especially I'm happy to have a phone. There's a house phone here, but uh, uh, you can't count on that. This is, I, I don't know, I guess I, you don't know where I am. I'm at a small board and care facility by Lake Barrett called Lakeshore Board and Care. It's got 34 rooms, and it's not a very good place. I would like to – I'm actually negotiating to go, you know, try to get something else. But uh, anyway, it, it, 
it uh, they bring me not very good food on a regular basis and uh, mm. it's uh, the other inmates here the 34 rooms mm. and uh, they're kind of out of it just pretty just there's only like maybe one or two people I could have a conversation with uh, mm. uh, the the people I talk to are the the uh, the uh, Certified nurse assistants that are very friendly and good. Mm. About six or seven of those, and we're very friendly. And those are the people that I talk to, really. Mm. And some of them are, are kind of fun, but as I say, uh, most of the other residents are pretty dysfunctional, and uh, mm. they don't wear a mask when they're out of their room, for example. And you you couldn't get them to do that or even. Uh, uh, uh-huh. I try to do that to set an example. And uh, um, when were you born? When was I born? I was born February tenth, nineteen forty, in San Antonio. I was born February ninth in Fort Worth. That's right. Yeah, and I now we share that birthday date. Uh, and you were born in uh, Fort Worth. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you were born in or I probably did know, but I forgot you were born in yeah, San Antonio. Yeah. Well, I, I lived there until I was eight. It was, it was a beautiful town. I really loved San oh, Antonio. I agree. It has this, this river walk, and uh, uh, I had a, uh, we had this, uh, the family had this uh, African-American maid, Alma, who would take me out once a week, and we were pals, and... Uh, uh, we would. She would take me to the movies, and we'd have to sit up in the balcony with all the, you know, non-white people. And I remember uh, white and black bathrooms and white and black fountains. And, yeah. But but Alma was great. Uh, we had a good time. Uh, yeah. So we would go on these river walks, and we'd have lunch, and then she would take me over. This was sort of off. The, <laughs> this wasn't supposed. To, this wasn't what was part of the the official visit, but she would take me to this uh, hotel dining room to meet her boyfriend, and he would teach me to how to play the piano, and they would visit, and uh, huh. we had a great time. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, and she knew I wasn't going to rat her out, but we, we had a really nice relationship. Uh, oh. I, I, really, I really loved her, and I yeah. got exposed to the ugly side of, you know. We had an African-American maid from when I came home from the hospital till I was 12 years old, and she was a very important part of my childhood. Uh, 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 well, yeah. uh, we really cared for each other, and uh, she was quite wonderful, and uh, I remember my mother was always complaining about her, how Alma was robbing her blind. Probably meant she was taking soap or something like that, you know, uh, <laughs> probably so, so underpaid, I expect. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. Anyway, really? Uh, anyway, sorry. She was so taken advantage of, but anyway, we had a good time, especially yeah. when we got to the hotel dining room with her boyfriend. And, uh, but Santa Antonio was a very beautiful place as I remember it then. Walking around, you know that river walk. Now it's kind of upscale, and uh, yeah, uh, 
you know, got expensive gondolas, not like, maybe not expensive, but gondolas and kind of upscale restaurants and coffee shops and things like that are there now, but they weren't there at at that time. Uh, but I remember uh, uh, I loved going to the, to the movies with her and uh, there was a lot of movie palaces in uh, uh in San Antonio at that time, surprisingly, mm. there's one called the Aztec, and in the, the middle of the the main room, there was this big, uh, oh maybe uh, it was about eighteen inches high, and maybe uh, oh god, maybe thirty foot in diameter, and it was uh, an Aztec sacrificial stone. Oh. Wow, and I love, love. I would, you know, sneak over the little, uh, those little, uh, you know, ropes that they would have, and get on top of it and have fun. And uh, but there were a number of movie palaces. I remember uh, I got to see uh, Trigger on stage. Ha! Huh. My my. Roy Rogers and, and Dale, I was sitting in the front. I was sure she was, uh, had a crush on me. <laughs> I, was, I was like, you know, eight years old. <laughs> but she was looking right at me, and I was, was quite enamored with her. Are you and, talking uh, about Trigger or Dale? I'm talking about, uh, yeah, yeah. Dale, Dale Evans, and, Roy Rogers' yeah, wife. She's, she's very pretty, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But anyway, Trigger was up there, and Roy was up there, and uh, that was sort of fun. And uh, somehow or another, I didn't get together with Dale after all. But uh, oh, that's sad. I was sure she was interested in. Me. Do, do you know what happened to Trigger? Well, I don't know what happened to Trigger. When Trigger died, Roy Rogers had him uh, uh, taxidermied. Oh, right, right, yeah. You know, well, yeah. Trigger was very much alive at, at, on this occasion. Yeah. And uh, that was a bit, I was into these Saturday afternoon cowboy serials. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember, I think Hopalong Cassidy was the one that I really liked. And mm. the, Lone, the Lone Ranger. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Those were fun. And uh, I remember one time I had the measles and couldn't go, and I was really bereft uh, you know oh. not weren't supposed to have light in your eyes and I, I missed about two weeks as one of those uh, you know oh. things but uh, I caught up so let's move on to what uh, oh, that was good I enjoyed that yeah Saturday Saturday uh, movies were uh, uh-huh. an important part of my uh, childhood and we would walk you know we could walk. We could. We were free to walk around as little tiny kids. You know, uh-huh. uh, we we walked to the. Me and my friends, we'd walk to the to the theater at ten o'clock on Saturday morning. Twenty five cents. Uh, uh-huh. Be like an hour of cartoons and then Schwartz and then two movies. It was nine cents. When I was outraged when I moved to L.A. and they were charging twenty five cents. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because you're five years younger than me. So 25 cents to you was outrageous. Well, I was used to paying nine cents. 
<laughs> but twenty five cents. I had it. I actually had an allowance that covered it. But, wow, uh, nine cents uh, for a movie. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. That's well, a- that was fun, and uh, yeah, I. At that time, I was living in L.A. in, in the Wilshire District, kind of near the Ambassador Hotel. Mm-hmm. Remember the Ambassador Hotel? No. No. Uh, it was a kind of fancy... Uh, oh, that was the place that Bobby Kennedy was shot. Mm. It, was, it was a kind of high-end uh, hotel you know, uh, for the carriage trade, and it had a very nice restaurant and it, that I could... But that was my first job. Uh, I uh, I was 12 years old, and the tennis pro they had a very good tennis shop there. And he, uh, I think he was a bit of an alcoholic, and he didn't like to show up at noon. And so I would come in and open the shop, and maybe start swinging some rackets. He, I think he never really paid me money. He, he paid me in uh, free lessons and a, a racket now now and then. Oh, that's mind. excellent. That's yeah. more, worth more than money. Did you play much tennis when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Well, this guy was a quite good. He he probably overtaught me. Uh, uh, so I got too fixed on following the rules and didn't really let go. I didn't learn to really let go until later. I was actually at Zen Center and uh, Isan used to let me watch his TV, and there was some kind of a, uh, a Zen tennis uh, show that was on once a week. Oh, and, really? Uh, and uh, the trick there was uh, he, he taught people to vocalize, bounce, hit, bounce, hit. And by vocalizing, you could really let loose. And so I got into more, you know, just to swing loose and... Uh, uh, have more fun and really let go. Ah. Uh, ah. So I, I was never really great, but I, you know, I was because I had all these lessons. I was, you know, fairly okay. And, yeah. Uh, but this court was we, you know, the Davis Cup, the Australia Davis Cup team would uh, come and play on these courts, and I that was a big thread to get to thrill to get to meet them. And mm, uh, yeah, th- this was in the 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 years when remember Borg, yeah, sure, yeah, he was my favorite, uh, and uh, I, I McEnroe was great, but I don't know, he was uh, something about his vibe. I didn't. <laughs> Good take, Lord, yeah, I can sure understand that. Well, uh, later I got to respect. I mean, that was just part of his his <laughs> you know mo and. Uh, but that that was a great uh, era for tennis, and uh, you remember Pancho uh, Gonzalez and Lou Ho? Oh, oh, sure, yeah, I saw him too. Yeah, I saw all these people. Uh, yeah, I ball boyed uh, for Pancho Gonzalez and Lou Ho. Well, I was uh, uh, I just once when they were in town playing at a demonstration. They were going around the country, and I, uh, you know, I I played tennis as a kid, and uh, uh-huh. every day. You know, I go to the country club yes, and play sir. tennis. <laughs> and uh, uh, they were going around the country and playing a many, many. Uh, the two of them were, were playing singles to see who'd win uh, uh-huh. after, you know, a hundred matches. And, and then there, there was a, a doubles with 
Gonzalez and Pancho Segura and Lou Hode and somebody else, I forget. And uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of those matches myself, not not live, but I guess on TV. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I played, uh, uh, I wasn't on the tennis team at in high school because I was running track and uh, you couldn't do both. But uh-huh. after, in the summer, I would play all summer long in the hot Sacramento, uh, you know, hundred degree. Oh, you were in Sacramento, high. huh? Yeah, I, I was going to Sacramento High, and I was running track. I, I was on a quite good. We were the best team in Northern California, except oh, for right? the San Francisco, the San Francisco teams, which we never, you know, competed against. But yeah, uh, I was uh, I was the third best person on my team and I always got thirds <laughs> in the track meets because I could never beat the you know top two. But uh when I got to the be the mile relay we set, you know, like meet records and uh, we got to go to the California relays where all these Olympics, you know, athletes, uh Bob Matthias, I remember we didn't compete against them, but we would be like the warm up acts and uh uh but it, it was fun to run those relays, and uh, because there there was one guy who was just so good, uh, you know, all we had to do is not drop the baton. I mean, we had to be good, but I was never a super star, uh, you mm-hmm. know, quarter miler. Uh, I could, you know, maybe run fifty-one seconds or something like that, you know, which is you know respectable, but not not in uh, you know not. Not state meat quality, mm. but uh, so we we got some glory. We got big statues, and I someplace I still have a little uh, gold glove with a, a red, white, and blue ribbon on. I I don't know where it is. It's stored away with someplace. <laughs> Most of my things are in storage these days. Uh-huh. The place I'm in, I, it's a shared room, and my own personal space is uh, it's like about uh, oh I don't know 8 feet by uh, 12 feet mm. Not, it's small I don't uh, and uh, so there's no room for most of my stuff is in storage uh, I don't know if I'll ever get it out but uh, so I'm looking around to find a better place but uh uh, right now, uh, I don't meet the minimum income for this one place that I would like to get to, and I'm trying to work with this nice woman there to try to figure out how to, you know, finagle that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck with that. Yeah. I, yeah. It looks. Well, I, don't, I haven't seen this place. The place I really wanted, I was was called Strawberry Creek Lodge. And uh, it was, I was on the wait list for about three or four years and they sent me a notice that I didn't get until like, you know, two weeks beyond the final deadline. But that was a place that had like graded, you know, they had, as you needed more help, they would put you in a different section of the place and they had meals there and they'd take people out. It was definitely the high end place that, 
so I got this notice that I was accepted, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't get forwarded to me in time to mm. you know cut the deal. Yeah, too bad. Well, um, did you get back on the wait list? No, the wait list was closed. As I, I asked them to take mercy on me, and they never <laughs> could find it. Well, you know, it was, I'm sure the, the wait list was, you know, longer than, you know. Mm. Anyway, no, they didn't let me back in. And uh, anyway, that was too bad. But uh, so there's this place on, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Shattuck, Shattuck and uh, Shattuck and uh, something or other, maybe uh, Martin Luther King mm-hmm. that has uh, like 34 units. So my friend's going to take me over and take a look at the place and we'll maybe figure out a way. Uh, maybe I can, I have some money saved up, which I, doesn't count in terms of what they want. They want actual income. So maybe I could give my friend like $600 and he could guarantee, you know, $200 a month. So I get two friends to do that and meet their minimum. If, if it turns out I like the place, but it sounds like a pretty okay place. It's yeah. right downtown. It'd be convenient for, you know, shopping and getting food and things like that. And, uh, hi, my friends here with my eye drops. Uh, I have uh, rather advanced. Uh, yeah, you can take the train. Thank you. Uh, I have fairly advanced uh, acute uh, glaucoma. Oh, goodness! Yeah, well, it's been. I've had it for a long time. It's, it's uh, good doctors at Kaiser, and uh, this one doctor puts this experimental. An experimental little uh, flange in my eye mm-hmm. to promote drainage, and it turns out that that was recalled <laughs> mm-hmm. because uh, it can it causes the cornea to thicken. But uh, my doctor thinks it probably won't affect me because of where the the where it was placed. I, I had cataract surgery, which was great. I mm-hmm. see better now, but without glasses than I did before with glasses. Mm. And uh, so I was grateful to get that out of the way and uh, made it more possible to drive at night. But now I've sold my car, so I'm not going to be using that, you know, anymore. Mm. Uh, let's, let's see. Anyway, this place is okay. The food, I was hoping the food, it, it's run by... Uh, Indian couple, I'd hope to, the food might be kind of spicy and interesting, but it turns out it's very bland and uninteresting. Breakfast is the best meal, and the rest are tolerable. And I can buy, uh, I have a bunch of like health nuts and pecans and things like that to mm. supplement me if, if the food's not very good some night. But mm. Anyway, this place is okay, but. Uh, it's yeah, as I say, I'm not going to make any friends here. But chances are, at this other place, I would be able to be, meet some, you know, friends. Mm. And 
relate to that. They actually have a meditation group, apparently, like probably once a week, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I still sit, but it's hard. I'm wheelchair bound, and the chair's a little too low to be able to sit properly. Uh, I sort of I've tried various things like putting cushions under it, but anyway, it's just uh, that's the way it is. And maybe if I get to this other place, I'll rent another wheelchair that'll be a little better. But I, I can't really feel like I'm sitting properly in this wheelchair, mm. which mm-hmm. uh, and and it turns out I often just fall asleep. Unfortunately, that's all right. That used that used to be my uh, ambition was to be able to fall asleep in in Zazen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it turned out to be not all that much fun, and uh, uh, now I'm I'm falling asleep because I'm kind of sleep deprived. I have to get up and pee every three hours, and uh, I get up and I don't do whatever. Uh, mm. I have a, a medicine Buddha tanka that a friend of mine, Charles's wife, uh, made for me. She took classes and learned how to do the traditional medicine Buddha mm. thing. Had it mounted beautifully on a, you know, a nice tanka, and so that's my author background. And uh, mm. uh, so I do uh, bows to that and uh, do. Uh, Kind of meta, meta. What should we say? I guess meta uh, meditations. Mm-hmm. I include you. You what? You, you get you get included quite often. Well, various people. I mainly start with people I know where they're having a hard time. You know, like health wise or you know mm. something like that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm give, I'm getting to the age. You know, like I, I'm 82 now. And you must be 80? 77. 77. Well, uh, anyway, I think we both have a few good years left. Uh, (laughs) I'm feeling okay. I'm not ready to go. I don't want to die. (laughs) I think I'm okay, probably. Uh, I've had good health care, you know, from Kaiser. And uh, they gave me great treatment when I had the, the prostate cancer. Uh, oh. The best run, best run department I've ever seen at Kaiser. Uh, mm. they, they made it as e- easy as possible. I mean, it was, it was a challenge. It was like going five days a week for a couple of hours for this radiation treatment, but it worked and they cured the, you know, that cancer and uh, um, I got, I got to, uh, there was some kind of fun, uh, uh, I guess there were technicians that would do the, the actual work while a doctor was, you know, watching and, uh, I got to know them quite well. They were kind of fun and they would play, uh, Miles Davis and John Coltrane for me. Wow. <laughs> pretty was, good. Yeah. And then I, uh, we had kind of like a little built-in saga that people that were coming about the same time. We'd be sitting there in our hospital gowns, 
uh, you know, like three in a row, sitting across from three in a row. And so the same cohort of people, you know, you'd see every, every day and you got to know them and, uh, you know, make, make friends with them. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they really, uh, made it as easy as possible. They even, uh, all I would have to do is drive over there and give my key to this valet parker. Mm. <laughs> give me free valet. Uh, yeah, they wanted people to get there on time, and uh, so I I did, and it was still a challenge. Uh, I think uh, I think it might have messed up my bladder a little bit. Uh, they mm. wanted you to be so full that you had to burst off as soon as your treatment was ready, and you know. <laughs> release your pee and I think maybe I didn't have enough uh, water a few times that might have affected the bladder is my guess but uh, mm. you know, there's a treatment for it that I may take at some point uh, and uh, so what else is happening hey uh, I know one thing uh, you, you remember when Herman Ihara came to Tatsuhara Oh sure. Uh, tell about that because I, I remember you remember you had things to say about it. Yeah, yeah. I think I told you the story of uh, Suzuki Roshi going up to him at the break in, in the courtyard, and he, he put his arm around him and said, "Don't worry so much." Uh huh. Well, yeah, but we need to know who Herman Ihara was to begin with for that to have well, any I, meaning. I, uh, yeah, well, uh, people could look him up. Uh, who, who was it? That was was it Loring that introduced him? Or? Actually, I got him. I got him to speak. Did, uh, Herman Ihara was the leading proponent of the Zen macrobiotic diet. Yeah, uh, in in the West of America, whereas uh, Mishwakushi was in the East Coast, and he came to right. Tassahara. And of course, Loring was a a well, macrobiotic the, devotee. And I, I, my sense was, I remember he said once, I don't like food fights. <laughs> I like work I like work fights. No, no, he a said, I don't like food, food trips. trips. Food trips. Right. Uh, and uh, anyway. Yeah, he said, I love uh, work trips. I like work trips. I don't like food trips. Uh, yeah. Um, I just told Suzuki, I went, look. A lot of people would like to hear what he has to say. And all I have to do it one time. And he said, oh, you know, we don't do things like this in Japan. But, okay, it's America. <laughs> you have well, a different way. He said, you know, uh, teachers don't let other teachers speak in their temple. Uh, and they're jealous. And well, uh, <laughs> I, I was never a macrobiotic person, but uh, uh, Charles and his wife uh, got put on a macrobiotic diet, and she would spend hours every day cooking that kind of diet. And it, within a week, it got their blood pressure down to normal, apparently. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. That's uh, That's impressive. What year? I mean, how how recent was that? How old were oh, they? Oh, that was oh, that was some time ago. Uh, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. Uh huh. How old was Charles? Charles was uh, 
76, I believe, when he passed away. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought he was older. Oh. Oh. Oh, but, wait. No, no. I'm 86. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, 86. And he had, uh, he had had a lot of, he had like a, a spot on his lung and he had uh, liver problems and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of health concerns. It was kind of in home hospice care at, at the end. Oh, uh huh. He was lucky to have Varek, who's very, uh, you know, competent and uh, together in terms of running yeah. affairs and doing all the things that Charles was uh, too important to take care of. Yeah. You know, he was, he had his own trip. What did he do? Charles McDermott. Yeah. What did he, it, it, good, good interview, too. I did it at Tassahara. Started talking yeah, to him. I didn't I, know I, him. I read that. Uh, yeah, he was an artist and uh, he, uh, he had a salon that was great that met once a month at his house. It was wonderful. About, uh, oh God, maybe 12, 15 people that met once a month in his living room. And mm. uh, so we got, some of us already were good friends, but over time, everyone became good friends because we would share these experiences in, in the salon. And Charles was, uh, he was uh, maybe uh, a little too much of a purist. Mm. He had a thing. Uh, uh, he, he had been kind of picked. He'd gone. He lived in Colorado Springs and uh, uh, was an atheist. And people were picking on him because of that. And he forever resented that. And uh, uh, would try to promote these professional atheists like Daniel did it. And, uh, so. Uh, Charles always resented the way he was. I think he was going to some kind of like a military academy in Colorado Springs. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, anyway, atheism wasn't on the ticket <laughs> at that school. And uh-huh. he forever. He, uh, I, I guess atheism is as good a religion as any. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, little, I had friends little... in high school who were atheists. Uh, uh-huh. I I liked the atheists. I, I was on more of a mind-only cosmic consciousness uh, trip. Cause that's oh, in, what, in high school? Yeah, it's what I grew up with. It's my family. But oh. I always felt more in common with atheists, agnostics, people who didn't believe in uh, fundamentalist or storybook type religion you yeah know. i i went to sunday school regularly uh when i was a kid and i, I liked that it was but but it was more for social reasons i was either a methodist or a presbyterian depending on where the prettiest girls were i think aha uh-huh, yeah but, but i was very regular and uh i think i uh uh i would go to the adult lectures uh you know the sermons afterwards and they always just bored me. Yeah, you know, I can imagine. Traditional yeah. Christian stuff. But I, I went and uh, yeah. I, think I was trying to score brownie points. And uh, uh, this was, uh, anyway, it was a good, good 
experience, I suppose. But, yeah. And then I went to I went to these church summer camps too that were good. Mm. And, well, at the yeah. point that you went to Sonkoji and heard Suzuki talk, even though you didn't get much out of it at that time, where had your Oh, you'd had LSD already. Uh, I had, and I think uh, I went down for three days. And uh, remember uh, uh, John Clark? We called him Clark at the time. He calls himself John Clark Mason now. Uh, uh, I remember uh, Yeah. Richard Baker came out, and uh, – uh, I, I was in the Zendo trying to deal with the Orioki, not doing a very good job. But there was this uh, professor, I think Paul Lee, that was there. Yeah, sure. As a guest. And, and I was sitting, and Richard Baker uh, the next day said, I don't think we're going to have you know guests doing Orioki. I thought that applied to me. And so I started taking my meals out in the courtyard and I guess that wasn't the intention. But, uh, no, so, no, he was talking about Paul. Uh, Paul was one of his very best friends. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he was good. I, I remember yeah. uh, some uh, things that he wrote. And uh, anyway, at, at the end of that period, I remember Richard Baker came up and uh, uh, he, he hadn't had time to say anything. He, he kind of apologized for not having... Uh, you know, greeted me when I arrived and uh, said, if you want to come to training period, you should apply right away. Mm. <laughs> that was about the last thing that was on my mind at, at that point. But uh, uh, I later got to, you know, know Richard you know, pretty well. Uh, he, I learned a lot from him. Uh, yeah. Uh, he taught me the importance of just... Uh, should I say, uh, ordinary things, ordinary kind of activities in, in practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 what else? Uh, I remember he gave us a, a koan of uh, the, uh, the flag in the wind. Do you remember that koan? Yeah. Uh, and but but uh, I, please refresh my memory. Well, uh, uh, these two uh, monks are arguing, one saying, oh, the, the uh, flag is moving. And the other one said, no, no, it's the wind that's moving. And the, the, the smart one says, no, it's the mind that's moving. Uh-huh, and, right. uh, I couldn't get very far with that. But uh, I remember Richard came up to me once and said, you can't really get away from it which was a good teaching for me. And uh, so I, I loosened up about koans. Now my main koan teacher is Barry Madgett. You, you know him? No. Tell me. He, he's, oh, well, he's a, he's a psychotherapist, and he's the uh, teacher at the Brooklyn uh, uh, Zen Center. Oh, right, right. Now I, now yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he's really good. Uh, uh, yeah. He... Uh, he uh, has written a book. Uh, uh, he's written several. Well, one one really good thing is he has a book called uh, "Ending Ending the Search for <laughs> Ending the Search for Happiness." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. 
which you know is dealing with looking always for you know something other than what's there, right? Rather than noticing what's there, and uh, but he's he's written a lot of stuff about the psychology of koans. Uh, there's a book called Nothing Is Hidden that I recommend highly. Uh, that talks he he goes through the koan curriculum and takes a look at the psychological aspects and there's a he, he's a post-modern uh, psychoanalyst, not you know post-Freudian yeah uh, and uh, I guess Bloomberg and there's some others that he talks about he also talks about the concept of thirds are you familiar with that Mm-mm. thirds is uh, it's kind of hard to explain exactly you kind of have to get the hang of it but it, it uh it's it's not a compromise, but it's a way of looking at two, looking at something from two points of view at the same time. Where's the third? So the third. Well, the third is that's just the name of this process of uh, uh, take, holding two points of view at the same time in your consciousness. Mm. It's just a term that. that you know that they use, but anyway, he's really good. Uh, I really recommend this book. Uh, Nothing is hidden, uh, which goes through the whole you know koan curriculum, and uh, he talks about uh, uh, among other one one of his insights is that he feels that both in psychotherapy. And in Zen practice, people come to it thinking something's wrong with them, mm-hmm. and the practice is going to fix it. And so he he very much tries to dissuade people from you know thinking that uh, you just do it as a pure practice, and uh, you know more like Suzuki Roshi's uh, yeah. teachings. And it, he's very familiar with Suzuki Roshi's teachings as, as well. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. is the book? Uh, uh, maybe I'll ask him to do a podcast because I, I, I am, you know, once you started saying who he was, I went, "Oh yeah, I am." Uh, um, is 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 that Zen Center? Is that the one that T.S. Drozer founded, or is it another Brooklyn Zen Center? Uh, well, he was a student of Charlotte Joko Beck. Oh yeah. All right. Uh huh. I think he calls it uh, Ordinary Mind Zen Center. Uh-huh. And it's in, in Brooklyn, and he's had quite advanced, you know, he's had, you know, monastic experience. And, you know, he, he's really, you know, done real Zen practice in a serious way. And I think, that, mm-hmm. for me, a, a good teacher. But that book, uh, uh, Nothing is Hidden, is especially good. Uh, mm-hmm. But the sense that people think that the practice is going to fix it for them. Uh, uh, I think that was helpful for me to get a little bit beyond that and uh, uh, just accept that this is how it is right now. And uh, one definition is uh, mindfulness I thought was pretty good is uh, this is how it is now. I wonder what will be next. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I, I recommend he, he came to the uh, Berkeley's uh, Zen Center one Sunday morning. I didn't really know who he was, and he was having a locks and bagels uh, 
breakfast or coffee or, or no, I guess, uh, uh, cappuccinos. And I didn't know he was, I didn't particularly want to get up on Sunday morning and I didn't, didn't go to this thing, but that was probably pretty wonderful. But at the time I was, I didn't realize who he was. Mm. And, uh, mm. But do, do check out nothing is hidden. And, uh, Kogodos, he has lots of uh, talks too. Uh, he, uh, I guess, he and uh, Norman Fisher and Peter Coyote are my main teachers these days. Oh yeah, my, that's quite a triumvirate there. Uh. Well, they're all pretty wonderful in their own way. Peter's especially. He was an old friend at, uh, you know, b- before he got into Zen practice. Uh, I knew him at. Uh, at Zen Center, uh, when he thought it, he he was very not into the formal aspect of Zen, and plus it was uncomfortable. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he was used to this complete the myth of complete freedom that you know, he got from the diggers and the hippies. Yeah, right. he, has a, he has a lot of interesting reflections on the '60s and the, the way we were romanticized things mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was a you know he was a was a dicker a and uh, uh, he would give free food in the park he was uh, I think his parents were uh, uh, diggers or communists or no something. no they were no very, no they were they were left wing but they weren't diggers yeah very very left wing uh, and uh, so he got that from his parents and uh, Later became quite natural to him, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like his talks a lot. He's he's training another good friend of mine. Uh, do you remember Ju- uh, Judy Gilbert? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she, uh, she was. I always she was when I was uh, working in the dining room. She was the guest student. I always tried to get because she was would pick it up you know right away. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, she is and, uh, uh, an eager beaver. Well, she was fun. Yeah. She was fun, and I always enjoyed Timmy. And we later went to a retreat, a week-long retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh at the mm. Mount Madonna Center. I, I had I'd helped to edit Big Peace a little bit with uh, Arnie and Therese. Oh, really? My, my. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. And... Uh, we uh, did the best. I was never very sad. I was, I, I was picking, you know, Zen mind, uh, beginner's mind as the model, and I never felt we kind of got there. And we didn't have any feedback from him. We were just on our own to try to figure out, you know, what to do. But anyway, as a as a kind of thank you, they gave me this week long retreat at Mount Madonna Center, and I got to you know, hear him talk and just, just to hear his voice. And uh, he would take us out on these, uh, oh, half mile walks after, after, uh, after lunch often. I was surprised at how fast he would walk, but mm. he was also encouraging people just to drop out and uh, oh. you know, go smell the flowers and, you know, yeah, just do something else if it, you know, seemed pertinent. And, uh, so I had a great time at that. And then also uh, uh, I was able to introduce my friends, uh, uh, Maxine Hong Kingston and her husband Earl to 
that practice, and she, she really took to it, and then still, you know, do that quite mm. seriously. Mm. Uh, yeah, it kind of changed their life, I think. And uh, but I was impressed that there were about a hundred people there who, most of whom had never done anything remotely like this in their life, and yet it was it was simple enough, and they would sit for maybe. I don't know, certainly not more than a half an hour, probably 20 minutes at a time, and uh, uh, lots of walking breaks. And uh, but I remember just hearing his voice and uh, going out walking with him. And uh, he was, uh, at the time, there he was kind of having people sing these sort of syrupy, sweet songs that I just, much take two, but I went along with the the practice, and uh, uh, I anyway, I didn't actually get you know to. I was hoping to have like some like Doksan with him, but Arnie said that he just felt he couldn't do that, so I never got to you know do that kind of personal meeting with him. Uh-huh. But uh, his talks were personal enough that even with a large room. Uh, you really got, you know, his voice. And it is, he has such a sweet voice and manner. And uh, uh, I put, a, I think on my Facebook uh, post, a, a post called uh, something like A Cloud Never Dies, you know, after he passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, Maxine really got it. They, they went to his place, uh, uh, wherever it was in uh France, uh, I guess in Vietnam. Yeah, it was in France. In France, that um, yeah, plum. Yeah, it was plum village. Yeah, yeah, plum village. Yeah. So Maxine and Earl went there. I never went went there, but they enjoyed that and uh, got to know him. But yeah, you know, he was it was a wonderful experience to mm. you know sit with him and just to hear his voice and uh, 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 the main thing I got from him was. To allow a smile to come up over your face and your whole body. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I remember a good friend of mine that uh, pointed out, "Oh, you never smile," which I think I think I was kind of like Richard Baker <laughs> at that time. I was being overly serious and wouldn't allow myself to smile. But uh, so Thich Nhat Hanh taught me how to not place the smile, but just allow the smile to come up over your whole face and body and envelop you. And that was probably the best teaching I got from him. I still mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Find, it, uh, find it useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. And uh, when I was uh, in San Antonio, when I was in the second grade, I had a cousin that was a Catholic, and he thought it would be a good idea idea for me to go to this Catholic military academy for six months. And <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea at all, but uh, I wasn't Catholic. And anyway, he thought I would get something out of it. There was this wonderful, sweet nun that uh, Sister Emmanuel Paul, who uh, was so beautiful. It was, it was, it wasn't exactly sexual if there was I was in love with her, <laughs> and uh-huh. I thought that she was in love with. But she had this wonderful smile, 
and she would bring the smile out for me. And the high point of my week was to have a 30-minute piano lesson with her. Uh, and she was wonderful, as opposed to Sister, uh, what was her name, Marie Rose, who would pull your ears. And <laughs> she was the disciplinarian. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I did that, and I... Uh, the boxing was part of the curriculum, and I got into that. And I, uh, I performed in a big public stadium in San Antonio, like as the, the warm up for some serious boxers. And uh, boxing, you did boxing. Yeah, that was part of the curriculum there. But I made a deal with my boxing partner that I wouldn't hit him in the nose if he wouldn't hit me in the ear. <laughs> Hmm. And we honored that, but beyond that, I just beat, I just pummeled the shit out of him. My uncle was in the front row, kind of uh, egging me on, and uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I, I didn't ever hit him in the nose, but I was pretty merciless <laughs> in terms of pounding on him. And I, I won this uh, Golden Glove. I was a what was it? It was a paperweight champion, and it's a little. Red, 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 white, and blue ribbon uh -huh. got saved someplace or another. So uh -huh. uh, I was for that year. I was the paperweight champion. Uh, wow! Wow. Anyway, I uh, never really liked boxing. And never, you know, got into it later. Uh, mm. It wasn't my cup of tea. Mm. And uh, let's see. So where are we? Uh, I'm gonna. I have a question. Um, yes. Do you have any memories of Suzuki Roshi? Of course. Yeah. Well. Well, I've I've told you a lot of them already in that interview that we did. But uh, what you want me to read your interview over? into the uh, podcast? Well, if you can, if you want to copy stuff out later, you're, you're free to do that. Uh, uh, well, what I remember, uh, as I say, that my first experience was uh, coming uh, with Charles to sit in the back of the room and uh, sit among all the shoes and then sit in that circle with him. And uh, I, uh, I liked him. I didn't get a whole lot out of his talk, I don't think. Uh, but I, I did like him, and he was very friendly. And... Uh, I remember later I uh, was able to uh, help him move uh, a rock out of uh, what uh, became called uh, became called Cabarga Creek. Oh yeah, it was a huge rock that uh, Jeff Sherman and I, and I think Alan Marlowe and Suzuki Roshi were trying to get this huge, it's, it's the most prominent rock in what's now Suzuki Rusty's garden. It's about, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, five feet high. You know the one I'm talking about? In his it, garden, it, by his, well, where his cabin it's, it's, it's was. By, it's, it's by the, the, the Doksan hut. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's there now, but uh, at that time, that was his his his, you know, room. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it took us the longest time. We were 
we would make it, you know, we'd move a couple of inches and it would move back. And I, I was privately thinking, why don't they just get a winch? <laughs> but I was happy to work with Suzuki Roshi. And I was, uh, at the same time, I was, I was thinking I was trying to show off and I was showing how I appreciated the form of the rock and, you know, pointing. <laughs> and he was just totally ignoring the whole <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> but later he shocked me. Uh, he came up and bowed to me in the most sincere way and said, thank you so much for helping, you know, helping us this afternoon. I was, I was so stunned. I didn't even bow back. I was just, mm. I stood there just, and I remember, I, I think I told you about this. I later had this dream where he's in, uh, you remember the creaky floor of the old Zendo? Yeah. I think it was like heat and cold expansion, and I was I was a uh, uh, night watcher, or I, I was uh, you were jiggy jiggy though. So I was sleeping in, in the Zendo uh, at the that very last spot, and uh, I don't think I was able to sleep at all. But uh, I heard this these footsteps coming, and somehow I knew it was Suzuki Roshi. I could just tell from his footsteps and he gets up on the altar and uh, at this time it was it was a kind of a, a imagine uh, uh the light from a uh, a stove burner when it's on blue and it was now kind of a very dim light but kind of bluish yeah, and he got up on the altar, and as, as he turned around, his robes became engulfed in flames, and it became bright, bright orange all of a sudden. And there was this, uh, uh, what would you call, Mandalora flames around him, and uh, <laughs> he very calmly, I, uh, I was sort of. A little bit scary, but I, I thought, well, this is Suzuki Roshi. So I walked up to the altar, and uh, he looked down at me and very calmly said, uh, it is not necessary to bow in this situation. Hmm. I thought that was pretty wonderful. But uh, I took photographs of him. Uh, remember Jeff Broadbent? Sure. Yeah, well, he and his wife, I think Gretchen, maybe, uh, I took photographs of that wedding, and I took a couple of very good photographs of Suzuki Roshi. Uh, one was when he was bowing at the altar, and I caught it just right. And then the other was when he was put his hand over the uh, uh, the ashes, uh, you know, uh, container, and he was just, you know, putting the ashes there, but somehow I just caught that, those moments just right. And uh, later, uh, I remember uh, we were in the dining room and I was fumbling around. You remember those high, high very high, kind of yellowish, uh, high back chairs that were in the dining room at one point? Mm-hmm. 
they were very tall. They were taller than he he was when he was sitting there. But uh, they were, you know, formidable, expensive chairs. And uh, I was sitting at his feet uh, trying to find a time to take a photograph of him. But I remember he looked just so beat that I didn't have the heart to ask him to, you know, pose for a photograph at that time. But I already had these, you know, two good, good ones. But I, uh, you know that photograph of uh, him? It's on the cover of uh, Not Always So. There's a close-up of it. Uh-huh. I think it was... Let's see, what was that woman's name? Uh, as a woman student of his. Rowena? Petit? Petit? Yeah, 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 that was her. She took the photograph that I had always wanted to take of Suzuki Roshi. And that photograph on the, the, the book is, is a close-up of his face from that photograph. And... Uh, uh, that was the photograph I'd always wanted to take, but uh, she did it. And uh, what else do I remember? I remember Covid uh, Chino was very wonderful and friendly. Uh, uh, when I was there, I was there for three days, staying in the, uh, Clark Mason's room. And uh, Covid well, took us on a hike uh, I guess a couple of us uh, up by the horse pasture and then down to the Narrows and then back all the way up. And I remember him uh, at some point he uh, did an imaginary uh, archery thing and (laughs) shot up at this bird. And you could tell he hit his mark. Uh, He had this big, big smile and uh, uh, he was very friendly and, uh, uh, mm. soft uh, I remember uh, later I got to know him better at the uh, Berkeley Event Center and uh, he uh, I remember s- someone uh, asked him at the, he, he came for a weekend uh, to give uh, you know uh, kind of a Zazen Kai and give Doksan and uh, uh, some person asked him uh, how he could uh, kind of harness his desires, <laughs> and he says, "Well, I'm sorry from for you because life is just desire from head to toe." Mm. And mm. then uh, someone else asked him, "What's what it's like to be a Zen master?" And he says, "People are always trying to give you their shit." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Anyway. He, he was he was great. I, I, I was glad I got to know him. Like, uh, he had uh, uh, one of my friends became a student of his, Chikoji, and uh, got to you know read or hear a lot of his lectures later on mm. that I thought were you know pretty wonderful. And uh, and let's see what else uh, uh, because uh, I wasn't really able to. I took the precepts from uh, Anchukai ceremony from uh, Suzuki Roshi, and he gave me this fancy name, Daigen Dogen, as kind of a koan, I think. And he did this, unlike Roxu, he did this beautiful calligraphy that has the robe chant. Which right. I, a suit was to remind me to do this practice every day. 
and uh, on each moment. Beautiful calligraphy, uh, and uh, uh, same on little what's it called, Kechimacho? Kechimiaku. So I have those. I remember at. Uh, there was a pretty large group getting Shukai. Uh, I think it might have been the la- it was the last one. I think before he died, there might have been as many as fifty people in that in that group. Oh yeah, and, that's seventy one. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It was just be- not too long before it was in August of that year. Yeah, and uh, so I was well back in the room because so many other seniors were ahead of me and. I never really got to talk to him about that because, uh, uh, you know, the senior students were the only ones that were getting to see him at that point. So I never heard his story about why he picked that name for me. Well, you were as senior as a lot of them. Uh, you were just not pushy. That's all. No, no. There were many people who had been at Zoom Center long. I think, uh, uh, who who is that artist? Uh, he was the first person. Uh, I can't remember his name. Well, Bill right McNeil was the first. Who? Bill McNeil. Oh, you're talking about Bill Kwong or aren't uh, uh, Mike Dixon or uh, yeah, Mike Dixon. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was Mike Dixon, uh, and uh, he he was ever the first person and. Uh, uh, so, because I wasn't able to talk to Suzuki Raj, I, I had good relationships with Katagiri and got to know him quite well. Uh, uh, so I would see him because I wasn't able to see him. Uh, and he gave me lots of helpful advice. Uh, uh, I, I remember I was into astrology at the time. and He took me aside one time and said, well, you know, astrology may be true, but it won't help you solve your essential life problems. And that stuck with me. And then later, uh, when I was, Mel went to be director at uh, Tassahara, and he left me uh, kind of in charge as the uh, kind of manager of the old Berkeley Zendo on Dwight Way. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that was fun. Uh, I got to, uh, uh, he would come by occasionally. And uh, fortunately, there would be right after we had done like, like all the, uh, you know, work sashin. So things were looking really spiffy. And <laughs> he was impressed at how, you know, good things were. It was very easy to get people to help at that at that time and yeah. place. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I was a little bit too much uh, into trying to run the whole thing rather than, you know, re- refer to other people and, you know, let other people help me. But uh, that was just, you know, my trip at that time. Uh, mm. And uh, I think I later learned about that. And I think, I think Mel actually taught me a little bit about that, too. But... Uh, so Mel would come. I would. I would usually take him. I remember one time we went to this wonderful Mexican dinner, and then I took him to this uh, uh, movie. Uh, do you remember Werner Herzog, the filmmaker? Of course. Uh, well, it was. It was a film of 
Herzog's at the uh, film archive that night. I mean, it was really weird. <laughs> it was called uh, Where the Green Ants Are. And uh, it, it, even for by his standard, it was pretty weird. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember uh, it, it sort of blew uh, uh, Mel's mind and uh, kind of, he didn't quite know what to make of it. I was putting it in the context of uh, uh, other films of Herzog's. He was one of my favorite uh, filmmakers at the mm. time. Remember Casper Hauser? Oh, yeah. And Aguirre? Aguirre? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he he was great. I, uh, I had it arranged to, when I was uh, living at... Uh, Jeff Sherman and uh, his girlfriend and Molly uh, were we were uh, we were share, we were it was in a, a Blanche and Lou's you know house on on the shack. we were sharing oh, that space yeah and uh, uh, at any rate Katagiri uh, no I guess it, no that was. Uh, uh, a different time. Yeah, he came to the, the Berkeley's end uh, to do this uh, weekend sitting. And uh, uh, I remember his his friend uh, Yakoi Roshi. It was his friend and mentor from Japan. And Nikoi. Yakoi. Huh. Y o k o y e. He. Oh. Uh, uh, he, uh, he and uh, Kataguri were very interested in what was going on at the free speech movement. And so I took them on campus to a tour of uh, of that, and they were really into that. I told them what I knew of it, and they could, it was nothing much was happening you know, on that occasion, but uh, they could see some of the remnants, and a lot of people were still around. And uh, Mm-hmm. They were very interested in that uh, social protest movement. Ah, that's interesting. And, yeah, Yokoi, uh, he, he gave me this wonderful... Uh, yeah, Yokoi, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he, uh, one, he gave me a, a... You know those little... Uh, what do they call those? Those little placards that have Zen inscriptions on them. They're about... Uh, 18 inches by 12 inches white. Yeah. Uh, so he gave me one of those that uh, had uh, one bright pearl on it. Uh, oh. And uh, that was a pretty good teaching, I thought, mm. uh, for me. And uh, I so uh, this is all very uh, ad hoc. I I had gone to Zen Center to... Uh, I think you hear uh, Richard Baker give a lecture. No, it was Silas. And, uh, he was, uh, I remember Silas was good because he uh, was good at pointing out. I was very much into Don Juan at that whole time. And mm-hmm. he pointed out not to allow Don Juan's head to be put on top of my head. And that was a good teaching for me. Mm. And, uh, uh, yeah, he uh, he was a good teacher for me, and uh, uh, I I loved his daughter. Uh, his daughter was wonderful to photograph uh, in the in the creeks. She used to call me Picture Man. <laughs> I, I lo- she was really great to photograph. She was Amber. Very, 
Amber, yeah, yeah, she was wonderful. She had this wonderful little smile with a, her, her lip would kind of come up over her teeth, and you know, she was quite wonderful and beautiful. And uh, she used to call me Picture Man. Huh. Um, huh. So Silas gave me some good good teachings, I think. And uh, uh, what else was I thinking about? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I was able to dispense with. Uh, I was much taken with uh, the Castaneda thing, which was probably all made up. From reading I don't Martin know. Later. It's pretty hard for me to imagine making all that up. Uh, well, I, I think there probably wasn't actually a Don Juan. It was a con confluence of a lot of teachers. And oh yeah, I can, I can believe that. Uh, but it, yeah. it it's it seemed. Like a very profound tradition, he was. Oh yeah, no, no, it was authentic enough, and uh, uh, but it uh, it uh, didn't suit me ultimately as as well as uh, uh, Suzuki Roshi's teachings. And, yeah. Uh, oh, what were they? Pardon? Suzuki Roshi's teachings. What were they? What was that? It was just uh, Zen mind, beginner's mind, and uh, this is it. Uh huh. I uh, uh, do you remember uh, one summer I was I was I'd been taking a lot of photographs of Tassahara, and uh, this do you, do you remember Aperture the the magazine and uh, uh, it was kind of the preeminent fine photography place at the time. Mm -hmm. And the uh, uh, editor, uh, Michael, came down uh, as, as a guest, and I got to know him. And he liked some of the photographs I had uh, taken of Tassahara. And he proposed doing a book, which I think would have been really good. You know, there are a lot of historic photographs of Tassara that were available, and he was wanting to put those old black and white photographs and some of my own color photographs in a book and have Gary Snyder write an introduction and commentary. And of course, Baker Roshi <laughs> couldn't stand that. He put the kibbutz, he, well, one was having Gary do it, and I think he felt that we were indebted to Robert Boney to let him be the photographer because he'd been so helpful. And for whatever reasons, I never really, maybe it's personal or I, I thought myself, I thought Robert Roney was a very fine you know, photographer of that style, but uh, this uh, editor wasn't so fond of him. And uh, he wanted to, he proposed his other book, but mainly it was a, you know, having Gary Snyder right instead of Richard Baker uh, do it. That uh, uh -huh. anyway, it crashed on the shores of Zen politics, and so there never was a book. That would have been quite a good book, I think, uh, mm. and it would have been well promoted at the time. Aperture was the preeminent to find photography magazine and location, and. Uh, so this guy had proposed that uh, uh, I come and be an intern at uh, Aperture for six months of the year and be Minor White's assistant for six months. My, my. Of the year. Yeah, that was a, 
I met him at, at Tassajara. Uh, he was doing Polaroids. I remember uh, watching him and I, I uh, asked him, are you doing like preliminary studies of something you're doing better? And I remember he said, just really straightforward. No, this is it. Which I thought was a pretty mm-hmm. damn good reply. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I was supposed to go beat him uh, at, uh, I think he was appearing at the old, uh, uh, what was it? The uh, the old uh, San Francisco Museum of Fine Arts. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh it was in the Asian music, yeah, yeah. Before it got moved to the present location, and I was supposed to meet him that night, but it turned out he got sick and didn't show up, and was really too sick to let that happen. And I, I, I really didn't want to leave Vincent that much, although that would have been a, you know, a nice yeah. opportunity. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the first uh, photographer that. Uh, did uh, photographs uh, for us uh, in the Tassara area was Morley Bear. Oh, yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah, his son Josh, uh, I got to know in Santa Fe. Uh, Uh Anyway, he did the photographs for the first uh, Zen Center fundraising that brochure mm, brochure that was actually for the to buy the horse pasture uh before yeah. before uh uh a deal for Tassar had been worked yeah. out yeah and, i i i used to, i had a copy that was very well i think richard baker and uh was it maybe uh rorita pate or no no, no, no rowena was later pardon rowena was later no no it was uh Who's the student that died of cancer? Uh, Trudy Dixon. Trudy Dixon, yeah. I, I think she actually was probably did more editing than Richard Baker, is my my guess. But uh, of what? Of uh, the brochure? Of everything, I think of of Zen Mind Beginners those those talks as well. Well, yeah, I, she's credited. She's credited huh? as the editor of Zen Mind Beginners Mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Richard did some. And, uh, yeah, no, he worked on it a lot. He's actually an uncredited editor. He he should have been. Really? It should have been uh, called edited by Rich, uh, by Trudy Dixon and Richard Baker. He was very involved just, with it. Yeah. Well, uh, Richard was a good, I don't know, Philip always thought that Richard's writing was a little bit, what do you call it, uh, prolix. <laughs> To, uh, to you know, Philip was kind of wild in his writing. Yeah. Like, you know, put everything, <laughs> everything in the pots and pans and the soup and the vegetables all in, in the palm. And, uh, yeah, it was really well done. Uh, I, uh, I had a, I, I think I saved a copy it's among all these things are in storage someplace, probably. But yeah, it was very well done. It was very successful as well. And you and don't happen to have a copy of that brochure, do you? I believe I do, but it's in storage. Oh, uh, God, and I don't know how I'm ever. It's I've I have this place that I rent for 
for like $14 a month, uh, a space that a friend of mine, I've never even been there myself, but I had this studio and I had, I was moving. I, I don't know, did I tell you, I, I fell and broke my neck in a couple of places. When? Oh, like uh, five, six years ago. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I, I, I tripped. I, yeah, I was, I, I was stupid. I was trying to cut corners. I had, I had six heavy bags I was carrying. I should have made two trips from the car. And I was trying to cut corners, which is often stupid. And I tripped over the door sill and fell flat on my face in a bloody mess. But the main problem is I broke my neck in the two Ouch. places. And, oh. uh, so I had to go to this neck surgeon and that oh. got repaired. Okay. The mm. bloody mess of my face was okay. That kind of cleared up. But uh, mm. I was just trying to cut corners, and that was just stupid. Uh, I should have made two trips. And mm. that put my life on a whole different path, actually. And uh, uh, I love that little studio on Moran. Uh, it was a lower basement studio, but uh, it was uh, at uh, ground level, but, you know, the it was it was the windows were at ground level, and there was a, a unit the, my landlord just lived uh, where where me. in Marin it was uh, right below Calusa it was a seventeen hundred block of Marin Marin uh, Marin what, what Marin city? Avenue Marin what? Avenue in Berkeley oh I didn't know where you were talking about. Oh, yeah, okay. I lived there for quite a few years. It was I, I thought you were talking about Marin County. <laughs> no, no, I I rarely have been. To, I like Marin County, but I haven't been there very often. Uh -huh. uh, I could easily live there. Uh, uh, isn't the, the proposed uh, living, you know, uh, the retirement place? Uh, yeah, I, I've applied to that. I don't think I'll be able to afford it, but it, it looks like a good situation that may open in a couple of years. And very impressive. I don't know. It might. I think it might be open before then. It's up in Healdsburg, isn't it? Uh, Is it Healdsburg? It's some nice place. I've seen photographs, and up in that, I don't think I'll be able to afford it. And no, I no. I don't have any high hopes. Oh yeah, it's going to be expensive. Unless I win the, I win the lottery, uh, and. Uh, I haven't been buying lottery tickets. They say if you buy a ticket, it helps your chances of winning. Do you believe that? Um, well, yeah, but not if you round off to the nearest, uh, you know, million or whatever. <laughs> I usually play, I actually won like uh, $1,500 once. I would play the lower, uh, I think it was called Fantasy Five. Yeah, they had smaller black shot, smaller. Uh, jackpots but you know better chances of getting something i, mm -hmm. I would win like 17 dollars there and 15 dollars one time i won 1500 dollars, which was pretty cool and uh, i was able to uh, anytime i played thereafter i was playing on their money so to speak i i, you know, I used to study statistics right uh i tried to calculate the it's called the expected value like if you buy a ticket, what's what are you expected to get back? And I, I figured the return value was something like about forty-five cents if you bought a dollar ticket. Oh, I see. 
I see. Yeah, that's like that's that's much worse than Vegas. I mean, some Vegas places or Reno places will advertise ninety three percent return or something like that. Yeah, well, especially especially if you're counting cards, if they, they don't let, let you do that much anymore. I don't well, they, I they, to do you that. can't counting cards; they kick you out. Well, yeah, but I I was at the very early part of that. I learned to do that very. When that system first came out, the Tharp system, and uh, I memorized it, and a friend and I took a Greyhound up to a State Line, and I stayed up all night. I playing uh, blackjack, playing, yeah, playing blackjack, counting cards, and at the time, they weren't shuffling up multiple packs, and they weren't. Yeah, I was, I was, I had a way of disguising, you know, I. I didn't make my moves so predictable, but uh, I did win $1,500. And mm. I, I remember uh, when I was uh, in the Cub Scouts, I know it was Boy Scouts, uh, our scout, I was in this Mormon troop in Los Angeles, and the, the scoutmasters took us up to Tahoe for a week, which was really <laughs> amazing. We had a great time, but uh, the bad boys would sneak off across this field and sneak into the uh, casinos for, you know, like 10 minutes before we got kicked out and uh, yeah, uh, never you know had a chance to win anything. Yeah. That was a great experience. Uh, these, uh, this Mormon troop was really wonderful. The, the, you know, the men that were uh, the fathers of their, you know, sons that were part of the troop for, uh, really into doing a lot of wonderful things, but especially that week at Tahoe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I, uh, had a very good experience with Mormons. Uh, You know, they were, they were not proselytizing at all to to me. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Mormons. Uh, There's good things, bad things. It depends on what your relationship is. Uh, you know, where yeah. you live, who you are, and that sort of thing. Right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, anyway, so yeah, they, they, they take care of themselves. And they were the mm-hmm. first major American church to come out against nuclear weapons. Uh huh. Yeah. It, 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 uh, well, they, they were pretty progressive in, in many ways. I remember, but uh, anyway, so I had a good experience with that scout troop, and uh, uh, that was fun. And uh, what else? Where are we? We're going back to Zen. Yeah, yeah. World. Uh, Also, uh, memory, you're asking about memories. I guess, uh, uh, well, I have memories of Katagiri and Suzuki and Coben, and also... uh, you remember uh, Sung Song, Song Song Them? Oh, they, the they, yeah, teacher. the Korean teacher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, what happened? I saw him walking down in the gray robe, and I, I figured out who he was. He was coming from the parking lot with an American or, or Caucasian student, both in gray robes. And, and I was pissed off at all the other officers because they had been hard. I remember Jake, the artist. Who would be always hitting on women? Jake, Jake Fishman. Yeah, uh, I, 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 my first experience of going to 
Kasahara was riding in the back of a pickup truck with, uh, I think, Harriet and with Jake. And so I got to know him and uh, we had this you know, relationship, but uh, all the other uh, officers thought they needed to kick him out because he was, you know, irredeemable. I <laughs> saved him. I, huh? I saved him. When, oh, yeah, he got in a lot of trouble when I was director, and I'd, I'd, uh, uh, I'd protect him. Yeah, he was doing well, outrageous I, I was stuff. Most of the most of the officers at that at that meeting were really down on him, and I was pissed off at him. So I went and met Sung Sung, and he wanted to go to the uh, Ashes site. So I kept him to myself for the afternoon. <laughs> and uh, I think I told you I was going off of this. I don't see, but I did it in such a way that I wasn't inviting much, you know. Uh, hit eyes on and uh, I think it went right by you. And so I took him up to the ashes site and then he, we came back and we had lunch. And I remember he tried to do uh Oyoki cleanup on uh, the plate in the dining room, which was sort of <laughs> charming. <laughs> I thought it was sort of funny, but uh, do you remember those wonderful cows that J.B. Bunk had put outside of the uh, outside of the uh, office. They were sort of like thrones, and they were cows that. Uh, uh, what what, what, what word are you using? Well, I was calling them cows. How do you spell C-O-W-L. that? C O W L. That's just in my term. What What does it mean? I don't. Know. Well, it it means. Uh, I think it comes from old English monastic practice. It would mean the, the robes that the monastic would, you know, put over their over their heads in the old days. I think. And J.B. Blunt I, brought like robes. Well, he, he no, no, he made these benches. Yeah, they're yeah. thrones basically, and they had a curved yeah uh, red, and it made this wonderful light, and I got this. Fabulous photograph of him. He, he he just allowed me to. It's probably the best photograph of ever. I have to get copies of him because I know some students of his that would appreciate it. But uh, well, I, I would too. Say, I'd love to see it. Okay, uh, I I it's in my slide collection, but where that I might have it online. I I'll, I'll look and see if it's online. I think it's and I have a whole collection of slides. Well, get get in uh, touch that, with me, but let's talk about that later, all right? Yeah, oh, okay. Anyway, so I think yeah. you might enjoy But I would say it, it's just the light is so wonderful and his face just lights up. I've, I've got to get... Do uh, you remember Denise Forrest? Denise who? Forrest. Denise uh, you, Forrest. Probably, uh, yeah, she was at the Berkeley Zen Center. She's a she was a student of his, and I'd like to get a photograph, you know, a print for her. Mm. And, uh, she, uh, she, uh, she sort of was a, a, a lay teacher in that tradition, but she has a sort of ultra feminist twist on everything that kind of got in the way of reality, I think. But she's a very sweet person. What sort know. of teacher? Well, like a, you know, 
she, I don't think, I think she was authorized to, to lead groups in that, you know, Sangha. What Sangha? The Korean Sangha. Oh, oh, oh. I See, I was still on J.B. Yeah. Blunk. No, no, no. That He was just the, the creator of that. You know, thrown. Uh, oh, then you got a, a, a photo of of Sunsun. Um, yeah, well, you just said him, so you were talking about JB Blunk. I thought you had a photograph of JB Blunk. Oh, no, uh, I see. I see. I, ever, uh, I don't know if I ever. I took a lot of photographs of his work. I remember he and Christine were sort of mentors to me, and uh, I think he was kind of. Urging me to kind of push back against Richard Baker a little bit uh, about what? Not, uh, about everything? You know, just not be totally bowled over by everything that Richard said. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't making a big deal. It was he didn't have an axe to grind with Richard or anything. But yeah, you know, I think it was a helpful, uh, you know, pointer yeah. for me. But. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I loved his work. Uh, I, I remember he made those things for the uh, for Greens too, which oh yeah, major installation in Greens. Yeah, that was that was a major fuck up as far as I was concerned. I was being a guest server, uh, and I had been a pretty. I got to be pretty good at Tassajara, and I was kind of proud of that and. Uh, uh, it was uh, Renee who was kind of in charge that day, and uh, I was kind of showing off how I could handle these uh, big trays. And uh, I was used to going at Tassajara with the screen that would go in, and this was a, a, a door that moved, you know, out. <laughs> uh, the door hit the tray and knocked everything akimbo, and so that was a bad start. And then later. Oh. I was trying to serve on, they had these kind of high, uh, at 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 the, uh, the bench tables, there was kind of like a high piece that would stuck up about 18 inches. Right, right. And people would be putting like glasses of wine on it. And I knocked over one of those. And uh, it was uh, the sum total was I, I felt that it was a horrible day <laughs> for me. Uh, I never went back. Uh, uh, I felt. Uh, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, you know, I would have been allowed to go back, but I'm just so. so oh, you mean that was your only day of being a server at Greens? That was my only day. Uh, part of the problem was uh, <laughs> there, there was this one woman who. Uh, I think she actually was kind of fond of me and I wasn't reciprocating, but she was in charge of moving out the, the, uh, the uh, plates for, for lunch. And she had me, uh, uh, cleaning the silverware in this emulsion, which you know made my hands very slippery. And then she brought me immediately to carry out the plate. And I, you know, you'd have to take time to wash the, the the emulsion off and dry her hands off and she was giving me a very hard time I remember about that and then uh, as I say later I some guests had put their wine glasses <laughs> up on these high things that I uh, 
knocked them off. And uh, so I was just totally embarrassed and didn't try to try to go back. Yeah. Um, but, but also, I think I think uh, <laughs> the whole Earth store was also starting at that time, and I was more into doing that with Dan Welch. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That, that was that was a fun experience. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't have any further thoughts right now. Uh, mm. And uh, well, you've had many uh, interesting thoughts. Oh. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it, man. It's been a you you. It's been a trip into many mansions. <laughs> well, uh, many byways. Uh, anyway, yeah. I've had fun, and I'm glad to hear from you. And uh, uh, always like to see what you have on uh, Facebook. Uh, and uh, let's see. I don't. I'm doing less of that these days, but. Uh, I I do some, and there's uh, some people that are so-called friends on Facebook. I sometimes post things that are interesting. I, uh, oh, did you see my thing about the uh, the music in the last couple of days? Yeah, the African uh, uh, woman talks about Adiwara. She's just great. Yeah, uh, I listen to it, and I don't. I don't have. I don't take the time to listen to much or read much sim- people send me because I'm always doing things. But I listen well, to listen that. Well, this. Uh, did you see the film Timbuktu? I, I, probably not. I don't remember it. Uh, well, it was set in uh, Mali uh, uh, in the time when there was a kind of a revolution there. And Anyway, it, it's fun. There's a lot of it's a serious film and beautifully made. One of the most beautifully made films. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's the she's actually the most famous singer actress from Mali, and uh, mm. she knew the director and you know, insisted on getting this very small part. But there's a part where she sings mm. uh, secretly at night. The music is outlawed by these uh, you know fundamentalist. Uh, uh, you know, outlaws that have taken over the place, and uh, you mean they've taken it over now? No, no, this is they've been kicked out. This is uh, years ago. Oh, okay. But at the time, at the time, they were running the show, and they were very fundamentalist, and uh, uh, they wouldn't allow music and uh, things like kids playing soccer or you know, Ooh. normal life. Uh, anyway, it's it's a beautiful film, but you know, she has this wonderful song in that. But uh, yeah, check her out; uh, she's all over the place. But, yeah, uh, well, I did. I listened to that. I probably won't do more, but maybe the maybe Katrinka and I can see Timbuk too. Yeah, I, I, I you probably have seen the, the concert for George, haven't you? George who? George Harrison. Oh no, I I don't do things like that much. I don't well, I don't really follow much entertainment or something. It's just know, Katrinka, whatever Katrinka what wants to do. I just look. She's the only person. You would both, with, you would both enjoy this. I, I guarantee it. I'll concert for George that. and Timbuktu. All right, now I can't remember beyond yeah. two things. Now you're oh, gonna, okay. If there's anything else, you have to tell me later. 
Okay. I'll tell her that. We'll see it. Hot pie land. Okay. (laughs) Bye for now. Yeah. Oh, and and happy Thanksgiving. What? Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. You're not in Thanksgiving yet. It's a Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, but you're you're in Wednesday. I'm in Thursday. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, whatever. Yeah, I'm in Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I've got a message here from Katrinka urging me to go to the Riviera, a nearby Italian restaurant that's having a special Thanksgiving thing. But I don't want to eat a lot of food. You know, if I went over there, I'd I'd, I'd have a I could go over there and have a salad, but. They'd be disappointed. Uh, get some pumpkin pie at least. Uh, no, I think I'll skip that. I think I just okay. have to. Uh, Sorry for you. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it probably won't be very interesting where if, I am. But if Katrinka uh, was with me, we'd split a pumpkin pie. I mean, when she's in America, I can lose weight. Well, that's a little. Uh-huh. Uh And uh, then I feel better. And uh, uh-huh. so, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's one of the values of the food not being very good, you know, as I'm fairly trim. Yeah. Yeah, well, well I live with a, a really good cook who likes uh, to cook. Yeah. My idea is uh, what's going to go bad, I'll eat it. <laughs> well, do the best you can. Yeah. Right, good night. Okay, hey, thanks a lot, Britt. That was great. Bye. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. So thank you very much, Britt Byland. And uh, if you want to know more about Britt and his memories of Suzuki and Tatsuhara and Zen Center and whatever else he said in his uh, interview, uh, you can go to cuke.com and uh, in the site search box, write Brit Pyland, B-R-I-T-P-Y-L-A-N-D. Um, and uh, there's a few things there. Uh, he's got a, a cute page, and one of the links is to his uh, interview. Uh, and there's a couple other things there. So, uh, oh, I did want to say, yes, I... Um, I, I did go to the Riviera that where, where Katrinka suggested I go for Thanksgiving. But I didn't go to the dinner, which was the big meal. I just walked there with Bondi for lunch. And we walked in a, mm, a sort of drizzle rain. Uh, and I had an umbrella. And it's about a 20-minute mm, walk. And um, they're very dog-friendly. Any animal, you could bring anything in there because the, the, the Pierre Giorgio and his wife, Chiara, I think, are the owners. And, uh, like, she's got five cats in a room in the back, and they've got five dogs at home. Uh, and uh, But I have to keep Bonnie on a leash there because uh, and I tie it to the leg of the table or or to the chair because if she sees a cat, she'll dart after it. Um, so anyway, I had um, lobster crab scallopini 
and a small salad, uh, and a lychee drink, a non-alcoholic lychee drink. That was very nice. There was a couple there eating who had a dog, and then it turned out they had five dogs, and I said, well, she's got to meet Chiara, the the owner. And uh, But anyway, then Bondi and I walked home. But right after we got there, it started raining like really hard. And we walked home raining really hard the whole time. So that was my Thanksgiving uh, meal. And he said they were absolutely booked up full for dinner, like 60 people. You know, and a, a, and he and he was having a high a choir of twenty come sing. Uh, that's interesting. They they have music there. So anyway, um, that's all. Thanks a lot, Britt. And this has been a Cuke Audio podcast. I'm DC Booba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives. Coming to you from Sleepy Senor with Dog and Bandita, Feline Cochita, and Dear Lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. Mm-hmm.